Welcome to episode two of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. If you've missed our first episode, it was last week with San Diego State assistant coach Dave Velasquez. That's available on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to this podcast on right now. Really good conversation about the two-decade-long run of success that San Diego State is currently on. Hope you'll give it a listen if you have the chance. And before we get started, hit the auto-download button to get future episodes of Left Coast Sports automatically. Again, auto-download Left Coast Sports. You'll get future episodes automatically. And while you're here and while you're listening... Switch over to social media on Twitter at John Schaefer. Give me a follow there at J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Again, at John Schaefer. We're less than seven weeks away right now from Selection Sunday. That is hard to believe. We are taking a closer look at the men's basketball programs throughout the state of California, battling for berths in this year's NCAA tournament. And this week, let's head up the 405 to UCLA, where the Bruins are primed to return to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2018. And coming up in this episode, we'll talk with Ben Bolch, a great writer, the Bruins beat writer for the LA Times, and a great voice on all things Bruins. You know, a year ago, UCLA was one of the most pleasant surprises in the country. At the time, they were under a first-year head coach, Mick Cronin. The Bruins turned their entire season around at the midway point. They were disappointing to start the year, just 8-9, and nine, but they rattled off wins in 11 of their last 13 games. They finished in second place in the Pac-12 and were clearly heading for the NCAA tournament last year, if not for the pandemic. Cronin, the former head coach at Cincinnati, was the first UCLA head coach to capture Pac-12 Coach of the Year honors since Ben Howland back in 2006. Cronin replaced Steve Alford a season after Alford was fired midway through the 2018-19 year. They started that year UCLA just 7-6. and six. And for Cronin, he chose to leave his alma mater Cincinnati. He had taken that program to nine consecutive NCAA tournaments in each of his final nine seasons as head coach. This year's team entered the year in the top 25 and was picked as the preseason favorite in the Pac-12 with eight of its top 10 players back from last season. But the Bruins did not get off to a good start this year. They lost their opener in a tough environment at San Diego State Viejas Arena, a tough environment even without fans as San Diego State has had so much success in their home building. And then they needed triple overtime to survive Pepperdine in Game 2. UCLA, though, righted the ship with eight consecutive wins to open Pac-12 play and is well-positioned right now to return to the NCAA tournament in 2021. The success is even more impressive considering they lost a preseason Player of the Year candidate and a very good senior, Chris Smith, to an ACL injury. Without Smith, UCLA, though, has had different players stepping up night in and night out, including a Kentucky transfer and L.A. native Johnny Juzang. Mick Cronin's calling card as a head coach has typically been his team's defensive effort, but what's interesting about this year's UCLA squad is they're one of the most efficient offenses in the country. In fact, even without Chris Smith, UCLA is one of the most balanced scoring teams in the nation. Five other players scoring 10 or more points per game. The expectations in Westwood, as you know, are always high considering the record 11 national titles, 18 Final Four appearances. But despite that, there's a general belief that Mick Cronin has this program on the right path and that reaching the second weekend of this year's NCAA tournament would be considered a successful season. This week, I catch up with the Bruins beat writer for the LA Times, Ben Bolch, to discuss expectations in Westwood, Mick Cronin's second season, and the impact of the recent Chris Smith injury. Here's our conversation on Bruins basketball. Ben, as you know, obviously UCLA, to start the year, really struggled. They opened that season with a loss at Viejas to San Diego State. They needed triple overtime to beat Pepperdine. Was that a product of beginning the year not fully healthy? 
Well, I think it was a product of just the weird world we live in. I mean, they, you know, didn't get back till campus till, till I think October and, um, you know, weren't really in their normal rhythm, didn't have their summer workouts. So everybody was a little bit off to start the season. Um, I was a little bit surprised though. I will say, I, I thought that maybe even, even so, I know they've been working out really hard. I know these guys basically were all back from last year. Um, but, but I can kind of see both sides of it. You know, the world's very, uh, unusual right now and, and everybody's sort of out of rhythm. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And then later in the year, they lose Chris Smith, who was expected to be potentially a Pac-12 player of the year candidate. He's been out now for about a month with that season ending ACL. How have they been able to really, uh, win despite not having such a talented player? Yeah, they've done a great job, and I think they, they've kind of done it by committee, so to speak. You know, they, they have, even taking Chris away, they have five guys who average in double figures. Um, you know, it, it seems like we've we've seen this pattern play out where uh, two or three of those five will play pretty well on a, on a given night, and maybe two of the others won't, um, and it's kind of rotating. Uh, and that's kind of a good and bad thing, right, because, you know, they're, they're getting – different guys step up, but they don't really have that reliable kind of person, that go-to guy that I think they're going to need, uh, particularly when they get into March and they look for somebody late in a close game. Um, it's not clear who that person is going to be right now. Could that be a Johnny Juzang? Is, is he a potential star in the making? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw what he could do uh, in that uh, – crazy uh, late first half run where he scored 18 consecutive points for UCLA. And I think he extended at 23 bridging uh, start of the second half. You know, that was the kind of performance I think that people were waiting to see from him. Uh, Mick Cronin uh, obviously believes in him because he continued to give him heavy minutes, even though he entered that game, I think shooting 31% from three. Um, so, but he's got to show he can do it more than once, right? And everybody can have kind of one of those, uh, great games, but the, the, what separates you know really good players from from just okay ones is can you repeat that? Can you do it when people game plan to stop you? So that'll be the big question going forward. Can Johnny Juzang do that on a regular basis? Do you think without Smith, obviously this should be an NCAA tournament team, but is this team still capable of winning the Pac-12 based on what you've seen this month? Well, I think we're going to get our answer this week because they play some really athletic teams that they haven't faced yet. I mean, they've got Oregon twice. I know Oregon's a little bit shorthanded and there's some uncertainty about who's going to be available for them. But when they're at full strength, they're definitely more athletic than, than, uh, than UCLA. And then we've got USC coming up after that, uh, which we know with the Mobley brothers, very, very athletic uh, and, and going to pose a, a challenge for this UCLA team. Uh, and they're going to have to try to counter that. So I think we'll know a lot more in, in probably the next 10 days. But I mean, obviously they're 8-1. Uh, you know, they, they got off to a great start, whereas last year they had their backs against the wall and then play catch-up mode and win every game, and they were able to do that. So, you know, now they're kind of in a, in a situation where they can just kind of hold serve, so to speak, and still win the conference. So, uh, you know, I like their chances. Mick Cronin's a great uh, coach, and, and if you look at I believe they, they're like 16-2 over their last 18 uh, Pac-12 games, which is just insane. So, um, there's no reason to think that, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to go unbeaten the rest of the, of the way here, but I think that they 
certainly can win the conference. What do you think of the job Mick Cronin did from a scheduling perspective, again, with this crazy COVID year? I mean, he plays a game at Viejas. UCLA would never play on the road in the state, as you know. Uh, he schedules Marquette. He schedules a game in Columbus against Ohio State. Has that helped this team, you think, come conference play, playing some teams that, you know, maybe under normal circumstances they wouldn't have done in a year like this? Yeah, I think they've done a great job given the circumstances. I mean, if, if I was coaching the team, the only thing I would have done differently was maybe not – not get on a plane and leave the state and play every game in California, but I know that you know they're contractually bound to that CBS Sports Classic, so that was kind of a, a thing they had to do. But he did a great job of, of putting that that opening uh, stretch of games together down at Viejas that you alluded to, and you know most of the games were at Pauley and uh, a pretty good schedule. You know they only had one hiccup with Long Beach State having to back out of games twice because of COVID issues with their team. Um, but you know I think all things considered. Uh, UCLA got through it, and, and I should mention, I believe UCLA might be the only Pac-12 team that uh, has not had any sort of COVID pause or cancellation on, on behalf of their own team. They haven't had a positive uh, since they started up, so that's uh, that's a huge win for them right now. That might be the biggest win of the season, to be honest with you, when the season comes to an end. Uh, in your opinion, what's been the primary reason they find ways, against Stanford notwithstanding, but how do they find ways to win all these close games? They've done it pretty consistently now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a reflection of their coach, right? I mean, Mick Cronin's just kind of this gritty, uh, get-it-done guy, and they've got a lot of guys like that with uh, Tiger Campbell, who can always kind of hit those those tough floaters. Uh, you know, Jaime Jaquez, who's got ice in his veins, really uh, no moments too big for him. Uh, Cody Riley, who, when he's going against certain matchups, can be, can be dominating force inside. So they've got some different options late in games. Uh, they've kind of utilized them at different times. And like I said earlier, um, they're hard to game plan for because they do have five guys in double figures. So if you can take away, you know, two or three of those guys and one of those other uh, guys can step up and beat you. So I think they're, they're versatile, they're hard-nosed, and they don't, uh, they don't back down from any challenges. Do you find it somewhat interesting that Mick Cronin, a coach that has prided himself throughout his career on defense, has one of the best offensive teams in the country, but defensively they haven't been up to par, at least where they were, you know, his teams obviously at Cincinnati and even the defensive efforts he was getting a year ago? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, and I think that, uh, you know, credit to, to this, these guys, there have been times with their ball movement where they, you know, as the Spurs like to say, go good to great with their, with their shot selection. Um, and I've seen it multiple times this year where they just keep moving it till they get just a really, really good shot. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that's Mick, Mick had said that he, they were preaching that and these guys have totally bought into that, but you know, you're right. The defensive end, um, you know, not quite obviously near where he wants it. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised because, uh, you know, it is everybody back from last year, but I asked Mick about that and he said he wasn't surprised because they really had no, uh, off season and you know let's face it these guys aren't the most elite athletic uh, lateral quickness guys and I think that is you know something they have to compensate for with you know being on ball defenders and and, and stopping dribble penetration is that they have to learn uh, angles and technique uh, and that's just taking time and that's a continual evolution but I will say uh, as far as player development goes this staff is really really impressive uh, with, with a lot of the improvements I've seen on these players. Ben, a general UCLA question. Are the expectations, do they remain as high as they've ever been? I mean, is it a Final Four bust scenario, or do they recognize that this is a program that's been rebuilt 
And Mick Cronin did very well a year ago. He would have had an NCAA tournament team. He'll have one in 2021. I mean, would a second weekend, would a Sweet 16 be seen as a successful season in Westwood? Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, Final Four bus narrative is kind of a false, uh, uh, you know, storyline yeah. that's been kind of perpetuated since Wooden left. I think absolutely when Wooden was there and then maybe immediately after with Gene Bartow, uh, you know, getting the Final Four and basically being run out of town, that was legitimate. But I think that, that those days are, are long gone. I think that the, the UCLA fan base is very reasonable. I think their expectations are, you know, generally to be in the mix for the Pac-12 championship, you know, maybe four out of five years and, you know, be in the hunt for, for uh, you know, a Final Four berth every, every couple of years, you know, and at least be like a, a consistent second weekend team. But but they don't, they don't expect to, you know, hang uh, – championship banners you know every year every other year i mean heck it's been what now 25 years so uh hmm. i i think that the, the expectations here are reasonable as you said uh, a second weekend team this uh in the NCAA tournament this year i think would be considered a, a success for sure what do you think made the job so appealing for mick cronin specifically i mean he had an excellent program and was doing very good things at cincinnati what was it specifically about ucla and the pac-12 that that drew him in well, kind of, you know, they've got a new athletic director, Martin Jarmon, at UCLA, and, and the word he always uses is elite. And I think that that resonated for Mick Cronin as well. I think that, you know, when you consider basketball, college basketball, and the blue blood status of UCLA, even though it hasn't been what, you know, it could be uh, for a while, I, I think that people, uh, you know, you throw out the UCLA name, and that really means something in, in the world of college basketball. So I think that was a huge allure. Uh, for Mick, and obviously he knows about the legacy of Coach Wooden and, and what he was able to do. Um, so I think that was the draw, and he was just, you know, he's, he's born and bred Cincinnati, went to school there, it's his alma mater, had a great run, and I think he was just ready for, you know, the, the, the next challenge, so to speak, of, uh, of taking a major conference program with the tradition of UCLA. What do you think the future of the program looks like under Cronin? Like, will it be four- and five-star guys that he's – trying to get to the NBA after maybe just one or two years, or is it more in the mold of finding program guys that can defend and be team players, uh, more like what he had at the University of Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, I think it'll probably be a, a pretty good mix therein. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's mentioned wanting to have multiple lottery picks on the same team, which mm. would be, you know, pretty amazing. I can't remember, maybe Westbrook and Love was the last time that's happened at UCLA, but uh, you know, I think he also really gets the value of somebody like a Tiger Campbell, who's going to be a four-year player and a glue guy like a Jaime Hawkes. Not elite talent, but you can't win without those guys and instilling that that kind of uh, mindset of togetherness that they bring. Um, so I think we're going to see a, a, a nice mix of, 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 like he said, maybe really you know two elite guys surrounded by uh, basically the kind of guys that they have on this team right now. Is the Pac-12 a league that's going to get four or five teams potentially this year? I know we we know that Arizona won't be in the tournament because of sanctions. I think the last two years there was a tournament. The Pac-12 had only three teams in March Madness. So will they be able to surpass that total this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know Oregon, UCLA, SC, and Colorado are all probably pretty much locks, considering uh, unless barring some kind of tail off, which mm-hmm. is always possible. Um, you know, everybody thought Arizona State was going to be one of the top teams. They really haven't had that kind of season. They've had a bunch of disruptions. But those four teams I mentioned, uh, 
not only I think are going to be in, but they're all going to be, uh, you know, have the potential to be second weekend teams. I think they're all really strong. And USC might be the, the team that's, uh, you know, that, that's not being talked about that should be. I think they're really, really good this year. Are you curious to see what comes of the, of the Pac-12 tournament and just conference tournaments in general on the way to March Madness? Would you expect those tournaments to be played this year? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, hopefully as we kind of turn the corner on this virus and, and cancellations, knock on wood, hopefully start going down. I think that it'll be kind of a good dry run for the, for the, uh, for the, for the NCAA tournament. You know, it's not really going to be a bubble environment, but, um, you know, I, I think it'll also be maybe kind of a mental hurdle clearing of, you know, that was when the world kind of changed and shut down last year was during the conference tournament. So maybe, actually having them this year and getting through them would be another sign that, you know, we're getting back to the world as we all know it and now, uh, you know, really appreciate it. Let's all cross our fingers. Ben, uh, I greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for doing it today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much to Ben Bolch for his time this week. Really enjoyed that conversation. And if you're a Bruins fan or just a college basketball fan in general, give Ben a follow on Twitter by searching for at LAT, the letter B, then his last name, Bolch. At L-A-T-B, Bolch. That's L-A-T-B-B-O-L-C-H. Believe it or not, UCLA has not been to a Final Four since 2008. That is somewhat hard to believe. They haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2017, and it's been now 26 seasons since the Bruins' last national title in 1995. However, the Bruins do seem poised to once again enter the NCAA tournament. If they get there in 2021, it'll be their 50th trip to the Big Dance. Their 50th. The Pac-12 in general has had a good year, not just UCLA, USC. We'll talk about them coming up on Left Coast Sports, Oregon and Colorado. All of those teams well-positioned to make a run towards the NCAA tournament. Also the possibility of some outsiders, including Stanford. This has been Episode 2 of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. And again, please subscribe or auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. And again, please give me a follow on Twitter, at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Also, coming this March to your view, Advance to Indianapolis, a four-week college basketball tournament show that follows local teams and players on their journey to a national championship. Each week, Advance to Indy reviews the previous weekend's rounds and looks ahead to the upcoming weekend. Each show airs four times per week with 16 total shows airing throughout the tournament. Advance to Indianapolis includes interviews, expert analysis, along with focused local stories on teams, players, and fans that make the madness of March so much fun. Next week on Left Coast Sports, we'll take a closer look at the UC Irvine Anteaters, the preseason favorite in the Big West Conference. The Anteaters are just two seasons removed from a program record 31 wins in 2019 and the school's first ever win in the NCAA tournament. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Left Coast Sports on UCLA Bruins basketball. We'll catch up again next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.